In February 2020, you know, always on Mondays, I say, Lord, what is it that's on your heart? What do you want to bring in this next message? And in 2020, remember, God had laid on my heart back in February to start the session on Moses and the Israelites and how they were going through such hard labor and how God was not, had not forgotten them, but he had been working behind the scenes. And so I'm like, okay, Lord, you want to take me back to that? And he said, this is what I heard. He said, go back to the beginning of the Israelite slavery in Egypt and take my message into the promised land. It's my time. Now, he's not just talking about then. He's talking about now. He's talking about what he plans on doing. Exodus 6, 1, 6 to 14 says, Then Joseph died, and all his brothers, and all that generation. But the Israelites were productive, and they increased greatly. They multiplied and became extremely strong, so that the land was filled with them. Now, before Joseph died, he told his brothers that God was going to take them and the Israelites, all of them, into the promised land, if you remember that. That was a promise from God. But you see, at that point, they didn't need that promise because it's like, hey, we're multiplying, we're doing really good, we can stay right here. You know, there's no problem. It's all going good. And then all of a sudden, a new king arose. And he did not know Joseph or his history, and he didn't really care about his accomplishments. He took a look at how the Israelites were multiplying. And so all those years, the Israelites had lived peaceful lives in Egypt. However, the spirit of fear entered this new king, and he was going to oppress God's people. So he sent, what, taskmasters. He sent taskmasters. Now, they weren't under that before. They had a good life. They were doing really great. In the beginning, those hard times made them stronger. They're like, oh, we can do this. You know, when we get hard times, oh, we can do this, right? But then it goes on and on and on and on. And then you're like, oh, I don't know if I can keep going. I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this. The Egyptians made the Israelites serve rigorously, forcing them into severe slavery. They made their lives bitter with hard labor and mortar, brick, and all kinds of field work. All their labor was harsh, harsh, and severe. Can you imagine the hard labor going on for years and years and no sign of a breakthrough? There was no sign of a breakthrough. Micah 2.13 says, The breaker... Who's the breaker? The Messiah. Will go up before them. They will break through, pass in through the gate, and go out through it. And their king will pass on before them. The Lord at their head. The Lord is at our head. He is ahead of us. I believe this is where we are right now. We all need a breakthrough, right? We need a breakthrough in finances relationships, marriages, health, family, and so forth. 
while we're waiting for a breakthrough, what kind of thoughts are you having? We don't know how long it's going to be. What kind of thoughts have you been having? So let's talk about the thoughts that the Israelites could have had while they were under very hard slavery. So think about, are these any thoughts that you're having? Did they blame God for this hard trial? Did they feel that God forgot them? Sometimes we feel that way, don't we? They didn't know what God was doing behind the scenes. Therefore, they didn't know, really, does God still love me? Does God really love me? Did they ask God, don't you see how I'm being treated? I mean, you're under hard labor, slavery. Don't you see? Of course he sees. But we're saying sometimes, don't you see, God, what's going on? I prayed and I believed for a miracle, and yet I see no hope of a breakthrough. Why aren't you delivering us from this evil? Now, where was their focus? Did they see God as their taskmaster instead of the spirit of fear who was using the Egyptians to keep them bound? So where's your focus right now with all the chaos in this world? What kind of thoughts have you been having? Are you allowing the spirit of fear to keep you locked up in negative thoughts? Or are you submitting to God, resisting the devil, and watching him go? Now, James 4, 7 says, submit to God first. It doesn't say resist the devil, then submit to God. You can't do that. You have to submit to God, and then you can resist the devil, and then you watch him go. One morning in March 2020, we woke up with the fact that a man-made disease called COVID was making many people very ill with a lot of hospitalizations and deaths. Suddenly, we were told to wear masks and vaccinate Vaccinations began to be a part of people's lives. We're over two years now, and shootings have worsened. Inflation is rising higher with the cost of gas and groceries, and many criminals are being charged and are free to continue stealing in broad daylight. And protesters are free to roam the streets, and even in front of the Supreme Court judges, they're free to do that. I want you to think about how suddenly, but this is the good news. (laughs) I'm not going to give all bad. This is the good news. Think about how, this is what the Lord really laid on my heart. Think about how suddenly that happened in 2020. Just like that. We woke up and we heard about all this. And our life began to change dramatically. Now, what is Satan? He's a counterfeiter. He counterfeits what God does. So, as quickly as the world turned, how quickly do you think God can turn this world around? See, we must never give up on God. We must never give up. You know, we have this miracle, this belief box. We must never give up on God and what he's going to do because he's working behind the scenes. This year I had a dream, and I know I've told you this before, 
But I had this dream that Jesus was at a machine. Maybe some of you heard this and some of you haven't. But he was sitting at a machine and all this chaos was all behind him. It was terrible. It was a whole bunch of chaos. But he was sitting in front. He wasn't paying attention to the chaos. He sat there at a machine, pushed a button, and all of it disappeared. It completely changed. And the other day I had this thought. Now, I'm not going to say this is a God thought because I'm seeking the Lord on this. But the other day I had this thought. Was that the voting machine? Is that how God's going to turn things around in voting? We don't know. The Lord is the one who goes ahead of you. He will be with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. That's Deuteronomy 31, 8. So we're going to parallel the Israelite situation of severe control by the king of Egypt with the control that we have been under by the government of the United States. Satan has blinded the church for many years and caused it to be oblivious to Satan's deception. We were told not to mix politics with religion. I grew up that way. You do not mix politics with religion. This isn't Democrats versus Republicans. This is good versus evil. I'm hearing and seeing more people are beginning to stand up for the truth of God's word. I believe as we have and continue to cry out, our Father hears our cries. He's hearing our cries. And he comes and he comes running to us. He always turns his face. If you can imagine, he's walking. I saw him doing this in a vision one day. He was walking. And all of a sudden, all these people were down here. And they were crying out to God. And they're saying, help us, save us. And he turned his face. And he began to touch each one of those people. We cry out. He hears our cries. He turns his face to us and he comes running to us. That's our Father. That's our Father who loves us with an everlasting love and promises never to leave us and never forsake us. Well, I believe it's time for deliverance. We are bought and paid for by Jesus Christ, death and resurrection. Everything that we could ever experience in this life, Jesus became it all. Every sin that we could commit, Jesus became at all. You know, when I think of Jesus and how he took everything that I could ever commit, he took every sickness, every disease, he put every, everything, he became it. He didn't just have it put on him, he became it all. How could we not follow him? How could we not love him? How could we not make our Father first in our life? To make him the Lord of our life. I want to tell you something. The United States is God's property. I saw God's hand come down on the United States. It was a map of the United States and I saw his hand. And he said, my hand is on this United States. And who's trespassing? 
Satan. He is trespassing on God's property. It's time for our Father to remove the chains of fear and disappointments and sicknesses and anxiety and trauma and loss of finances. It's time for Jesus to rattle the chains that have been on the children of God. It's time for the dry bones to come alive in church. Many people's spiritual condition is very dry and lifeless. Even the ones that have accepted the Lord into their heart, even many years ago. A woman recently told me that she went to this church and she sat in a pew and a person came up to her and said, that's my seat. And you need to move. Not, you know, I'm so glad to see you. What's your name? Oh, we're so glad to have you come visit. No love, no mercy, no grace, nothing but selfishness. And you know, when she told me that, that angered me. Can you tell that? <laughs> that angered me. Because we're not to treat people like that. Amen. So what? She sat in her seat. <laughs> Come on. The church has got to grow up. But how? And you know, the church has to stand up. How are you going to stand up? Well, how are we going to stand up and pray if we're not seeking God's face daily? How will the church stand up if we don't have a relationship with him and all we know is about him? How are we going to stand up if, if we don't know God's word is active and alive and sharper than a two-edged sword. It pierces, pierces the soul and spirit. And it discerns the thoughts and intentions of the heart. It discerns. When you open God's word, God is speaking to you. It is him talking to you. And he will touch our heart. He will discern what's going on inside of you. And when you read that scripture, oh my goodness, God, you touched me today. Thank you. Thank you. How will the church stand up if they go to church, hear the message, but live their lives in the world the rest of the week? How will the church stand up if they don't know how to combat the enemy of their soul? And how will the church stand up if they allow the enemy to use their mouth to wound others and judge and criticize other people instead of allowing God to fill their mouth with his words of love? How will the church stand up if they're grumbling and complaining? Oh, I believe this is what the Israelites were doing. I mean, they did it in the wilderness. You think they weren't doing it when they were under hard slavery? Grumbling and complaining all the time. And how will the church stand up if they're talking about the pastor all the time instead of praying for them? How would the church stand up? I know you guys don't talk about me, though, right? No. <laughs> how will the church stand up if they don't recognize who they are in the Lord and who he is in and through them? I did not know any of that. A lot of things that I am speaking right now, I did not know it years ago because I knew about him. I did not know him. How
how will the church stand up if they don't recognize the Holy Spirit within them that is their counselor and helper? How will they stand up if they don't listen to God's commands? How will the church stand up when they've allowed the enemy to blind them to the truth? How will the church stand up if they don't recognize the fruit of the Spirit? Love, peace, joy, meekness, kindness, faithfulness, patience, gentleness, and self-control. How do you not know that that's in you? You need to recognize that's in you. When we start recognizing the fruit of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, what's going to happen? We're going to show more love. We're going to have more peace. How would the church stand up if they don't know what it means to be a Christian and live their life fully and completely to our Father and make Him the Lord of our life? The Lord. Do you know what that means? That means you surrender all. That means you're giving everything to Him and you are living for Him. How will the church stand up if they are quarreling among themselves? And I don't see this at all, and I'm praising God for this church because I've never seen any of you ever quarrel. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And I believe God is saying thank you because he loves when his kids get along. And how will the church stand up if they don't know they're soldiers in the army of the Lord and listen to the commander-in-chief? Who's our commander-in-chief? Our father is our commander-in-chief. And most of all, how will the church stand up if we're not that shining light and love to others? The love of Jesus is in us. And we need to be that. We need to be that shining light. Do you know that love is the greatest weapon of warfare against the hatred in this world? Love. Somebody walks up to you and they see love in your eyes. They see Jesus. They see the Holy Spirit. You can just tell because they shine. They're like a brilliant light shining in the darkness. Many years ago, I had a vision of Jesus out on our deck. He was sitting through and and looking through a large telescope. He looked at me and he said, come, sit on my lap. Let me show you what I see. Wow, it's amazing. Because you see, I can only see through my little microscope vision. That's what we have compared to his big telescope. We have that little microscope vision. And I believe that God is wanting to enlarge our vision that will enlarge our territory. Everything that Satan has hidden, God is going to bring greater clarity than we have ever seen. Isaiah 57, 50 verse 7 says, For the Lord God helps me. Therefore have I not been ashamed or confounded. Therefore have I set my face like flint, and I know that I shall not be put to shame. Do you know what you're doing when you're setting your face like flint? You are unwavering. 
you are having great determination and you are persevering in hard times. God, I believe, is getting ready to show us a panoramic view of what is to come. In other words, we are about to watch an extensive, all-inclusive view as we continue to trust, rely, and cling to him. That is the key. Trust. Trust him. Even when it doesn't look good, even when it seems like it's never going to change, we need to trust him. The Israelites had no idea what was ahead. They didn't know they were going to end up out of there and go to a Red Sea miracle. But there was a promise. And that promise was given by God to Joseph. God has been working behind the scenes and raising up prophets that have been giving us encouragement. Do you realize when you listen to prophetic words, you receive encouragement? I encourage you to listen to the prophetesses and the prophets. Listen to them. Get encouraged. Get lifted up. Listen to the messages. Listen to what they are saying that comes along with other ones that you listen to. And it's like, oh my goodness, God's speaking the same thing to somebody else. And ask him to speak to you. Ask him for confirmation. He's filling his people with his words when they open up their mouth. He's been showing us signs and wonders. Prophets have been saying certain things are going to happen. Some of those things have already happened. He has been giving us visions and dreams and highlighting his spoken and his written word. He has whistleblowers that are speaking the truth, that's confiscating the lies of the enemy. And I believe we're going to see more of the whistleblowers. We're going to see more people start standing up and telling the truth because they're tired of all the lies. He has people voting that never voted before. Praise God. Keep praying for people to vote. Keep praying for this government. Keep praying for the people because God loves them. And he's calling them to repent. To change their ways, to change their behaviors, to change their mouth. Many of God's children are praying for our nation and God is hearing our prayers. He's opening up the blind eyes. He's calling people out of their comfort zones and moving in the spirit. See, when you hear that and you listen to that, you begin to see it in the spirit. That's where God wants us to be. He wants us to see what we have not seen manifest, but see it first in the spirit that he is working. There's an echo in our land, and this is what the Lord laid on my heart the other day. There's an echo in our land of babies crying out to be given the right to see God's plan for their life. God is saying enough is enough. And I praise God for the Supreme Court that voted to overturn Roe versus Wade. I have never thought that we would ever see what we have been seeing in this protesting. Never thought that we would see this. The demons of hatred, bitterness, and resentment have been infiltrating our land. They're demons. 
see, we don't, if we don't look at the people, we look at what's using the people. What happened to the people that those demons can even enter? Well, pride is one. It's a big thing. There's mockery. There's a spirit of mockery that it's against the Christians and against the prophets. God is not mocked. I believe this decision is the beginning now of God going to turn things around. I believe that with all my heart. I keep telling Fred, I feel something in my spirit. Something's going to happen. This is the time of the great harvest. The harvest of souls for people to come and to be able to come in. And he's been getting the church ready. Not just our church, the church. He's been getting the church ready to love one another, to encourage each other, to pray for each other, to lift each other up. And we have people coming in off the street, and we haven't learned to get along, and we're being quarrelsome, and all the stuff that's going on yet. They're going to say, I want any part of that church. <laughs> I want any part of going in there. Or they come in and there's cliques. I do not like cliques. They come in and there's cliques and they sit around and they just talk among themselves. That's terrible. They come in, we welcome them. We don't look at, at what's going on, what their life has been. We love them. And you know what? God called his disciples to be fishermen of men. Fishermen, right? But who cleaned them up? God. God cleaned them up. God heard the cry of his children, the Israelites. He has heard the cry of the children in the United States and all over the world. Moses was 40 years old when he left Egypt after killing another Egyptian. He lived in Midian another 40 years before God called him to a burning bush. Exodus 3, 3 to 4. So Moses said, I must turn away from the flock and see this great sight. Why the bush is not being burned up? When the Lord saw that he turned away from the flock to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. Moses wasn't looking at what he was doing now. His focus was on the voice of God. He was hearing God's voice. Do you want to hear God's voice? I love when I hear the Holy Spirit speak to me. There isn't anything greater than hearing directly from him. Oh, I love when other people tell me different things and, you know, and that means something. But you know what? There's nothing like hearing from God directly. The question is, are you listening for the voice of God? What is he saying to you right now? Moses is 80 years, and I'm going to say young. <laughs> and now God is calling to Moses. Imagine being 80 years old, young, <laughs> receiving a calling from God to lead the people out of Egypt. Imagine that. <laughs> Having to learn to hear God's voice of instructions and obey, to deal with the Pharaoh, 
And even the Israelites, who didn't always believe him, and grumbled and complained. At 80 years old, do you want to hear a bunch of people grumbling and complaining? I don't think so. And what did Moses say? He's being called and he says, here I am. Moses was in the position of complete surrender to God. He was on holy ground. Here's where he's going to learn to completely depend on God. (laughs) He's not going to make it without dependence on God for what he's called to. It would no longer be about what he was doing for 80 years of his life but what God has called him to do. So he had to remove all that would hold him back from receiving God's assignment. Did he think about how he ran away from Egypt since he had killed the Egyptian who was fighting a Hebrew man? Did he think God was upset with him? Was he still living under guilt and condemnation? Even though there is no condemnation to those that are in Jesus Christ, And condemnation commands our minds to be tormented. The Holy Spirit's conviction imparts life in our spirit and gives us a desire to follow his command. I'm going to read that again. Condemnation commands our minds to be tormented. The Holy Spirit's conviction imparts life in our spirit and gives us desire to follow his command. While Fred was in surgery on Wednesday, uh, I was in the cafeteria and there was a lady there and she just looked kind of helpless, you know, like she didn't know what to do next, you know, she's there, didn't didn't know exactly where the forks and the spoons and, you know, all that kind of stuff that's all lined up on the counter. And I walked over to her and I said, is there something you need help with? And she began to tell me all about her brother being in the hospital and how he has pneumonia now and he fell and it's all her fault. You think that wasn't a divine appointment? It was. And I talked with her and then I prayed with her. And after I prayed and I I talked to her about condemnation. I asked her if she was a Christian and she said to me, I'm trying. You see, she had accepted Jesus into her heart, but she was so condemned by the enemy, and she was so hurt by the church. That's sad. To be hurt by the church and to be so condemned under so much condemnation. When I was done praying with her, she said, Oh, can I hug you? Can I hug you? And I certainly said yes, and we hugged. And she said, Where's your church? And I told her, Well, it's pretty far away because she's down in the Hershey area. But she said, I'll pay you gas money, and I'll pay you to come and be with me and visit me. That's how desperate she is. She's lonely. How many people are out there that feel this way that we don't even know about? That's why I say, church, keep praying for divine appointments. That's another divine appointment. I believe this morning we have a divine appointment from God. Every morning that we come in is a divine appointment with our Father. 
but our heart has to be open to receive. Last week, I told you that I heard the Holy Spirit say, take your shoes off. You're standing on holy ground. Taking me into this. So I have some questions. When God is calling you, what are you saying? What if God calls you to move to another state? Will you listen to his voice? What if he's calling you to start a ministry? Will you listen? Will you listen to his voice? Will you say, here I am? What if he says, I'm calling you to go on a road that's not normally traveled? What if he says, I'm calling you to Africa? (laughs) Will you say, here I am? What if he's taking you out of your comfort zone? Are you willing to trust him? Are you willing to remove everything that is holding you back from completely surrendering to him? You see, sometimes we're in a position of fear and worry and anxiety or guilt and condemnation over something. But you see, when we're in those kind of positions, then we don't completely surrender because that position is not where God wants us. He wants us in complete surrender. Then God said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet because the place on which you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Then Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. You see, God is calling all of us to give our hearts and surrender completely to him. As Isaac puts this song on holy ground, are you totally surrendered? Have you given everything in your heart or do you have some dusty areas, maybe some cobwebs in certain areas in your heart that you've not even touched anymore, you haven't given it over to the Lord? What is he calling you to? What is he saying to you? Do you even know? Isaac, you can put that on. your eyes. 